so yeah, some great things have come out of the, you know, this little focus um, on the Lord's Prayer. Because when you talk about the Lord's Prayer, uh, it's probably the most well-recited and well-memorised and well-known uh, prayer in history, I would think. And it's, uh, it's uh, in Luke 11. Uh, it says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as Jesus also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then we say for the kingdom, the power and the glory is yours forever and ever. Amen. So although it's clearly given by Jesus in Luke 11, it's got a, a universal nature about it. And so people, you know, it's not, it's not uh, while it is come straight from the heart of God and straight from Jesus, you know, there is something so real about this and non-offensive about this. Uh, even my people who uh, were raised in state education know the Lord's Prayer as it was recited at assemblies in the state school system each morning. Uh, but we know that there have been strong moves in uh, recent times to remove the prayer from governments and municipalities. Um, I think it's really dangerous to do that because when you take out the prayer, you are removing uh, the, the person that you need to be accountable and responsible to ultimately in life, which is God. Last time I spoke briefly about the pillars of, of a strong church. Uh, when I was doing the offering last week, I spoke about the spirit of giving. You know, and uh, that's why we have people talk about giving because we, uh, you know, we're not trying to coerce people to give. And I said that uh, last week, you know, when I was giving that message that it's, we're not giving out of our need, we're blessed as a church. And, you know, as a people, I believe that we have an abundance. Uh, but... Giving is such an important part of our life. And there's such a thing, there's the act of giving. I'd describe it like this. There's the act of giving where we, we give what is required and what we should, but then there is the spirit of giving where the spirit of giving has become such a part of our life that we just love to give. You know, it, it's like giving is where life is at. And it's the heart of God because John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he, what did he do? He gave his only son. He gave the very best. So God gave his only son so that we wouldn't perish, but that we'd have eternal life. It's extraordinary. And you know, God is maximum giver. And, and, you know, we can really grow as sons and daughters of God by picking up the spirit of giving. It's not just giving what we should. No, that's right. 
but it's giving our heart, it's giving our time, it's giving our resources, it's giving our love, just like God our Father did. And that's the first pillar. The second pillar of, I believe, a strong church is the spirit of prayer. You know, where we, we, we pray because we should. We pray because we're pursuing God. We pray because we know that, uh, you know, this is important. And there's probably a, diff- a lot of different reasons why people pray. You know, I know people pray when they're in trouble, you know. And why just wait to pray till you're in trouble till you pray? Better to pray that you stay out of trouble. And, you know, that's what the Our Father is about. But this thing called the spirit of prayer, uh, you know, going back over our time as being here in sale, there's been some real key things that have really impacted us. But I remember many years ago, uh, we had a campaign before I was the pastor we had a campaign on the Our Father. And, you know, when you look back, there's some things that have built such a foundation in your life, but this was one of them. And there's something about the Lord's Prayer. And I believe that uh, this morning we'll just start to open this up a little bit more about it. Because, you know, prior to us having our focus, maybe you went for months without praying the Lord's Prayer. But, but uh, you know, when you begin to focus on the Lord's Prayer, because the disciples said, how do we pray? You know, and it's a, it's a challenge. You know, we just had a testimony here of a new Christian. And, and, you know, he's obviously been trying to pray. And he has been praying. And let me tell you, God hears your prayer. Even if it's not fluent. Even if you think, is God really hearing me? Well... He is. And particularly with new, new Christians and new believers, you know, God's ear is, is attentive to what's going on in your heart. But you know, as you grow as a Christian, God expects a bit more of you. And this is where this prayer, you know, is powerful. So, so Lynn and myself have been praying uh, together this prayer each day. And, and it's really good because what it does is it resets us. Now, the, now I'm going to talk about the Our Father and different focuses that need to come out of that. But the Our Father is not the only way to pray. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, it says, For we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us according to the will of God. So, so isn't that amazing that we have the helper, the Holy Spirit to help us in the way that we pray. But do you know the thing that is going to make the difference about our church is that we be a praying church. And, uh, you know, I believe that this shake up that we've been going through the last couple of years is because God wants a praying church. You know, not just a creative church, an entertaining church, even a worshipping church or a prophetic church or an apostolic church or a user-friendly church or a cafe church. He wants a praying church. Amen. He wants a praying church because Jesus said, my Father's house will be a house of prayer. My house will be a house of prayer. You know, Jesus said that. So maybe it's one of the most significant functions that we've got to be involved in is praying. And the disciples that followed uh, Jesus, uh, 
They said to him, teach us how to pray as Jesus, as John also taught his disciples. And, and he, gave, he gave the disciples a pattern. And this is, like I believe you can pray the Our Father three times a day or 20 times a day and still miss the essence. Because we've got to go into the Our Father. We've got to be prepared to go in further and discover what it is. But, you know, it was great because during that time that we did this focus uh, back, oh, it's, it's over 30 years ago now, where people started driving in from Mafra, Briag, along all over the place to gather in the morning to pray the Our Father. And we used to spend an hour in the morning praying the Our Father. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the things was is that to develop a prayer life, the first thing's discipline. You know, because you've got to discipline yourself to do it. And we live in a very undisciplined society in a, long, a lot of ways. But, you know, to pray with focus, it requires discipline. And, you know, we, we set that time, 7 o'clock till 8 o'clock or whatever it was, and we prayed and we did it every day for months and months and months. And the first thing is discipline happens, but then there is a delight that begins to come out of it. You know, you actually learn to love to pray. And when you love to pray, do you know what you do? You pray. But the discipline comes first, the habit's established, and then the spirit of prayer becomes more and more part of your life. So, So that's what we're talking about. But as we go through the Our Father this morning... I just want to talk about focus areas because there's areas that when we pray, we need to focus there. So so as I said, we can go through the whole thing and still miss the essence of it. So the first part of it is this, is, is recognizing his presence. The first thing that we do when we come and we begin to pray, the Our Father we begin to recognize his presence. It says, our Father in heaven. So where is our Father this morning? In heaven. Where is our Father? He is in heaven. Now listen, I just want to expand that a little bit because yes, he is in heaven. But he's omnipresent, which means he's, he's everywhere. God is everywhere. God the Father, we can say, right, he's way out there, but let me tell you, he's in the room this morning. And when we begin to acknowledge our Father in heaven, it's like he comes into this realm by his Spirit. When we develop the spirit of prayer, we can more and more find the manifest presence. So the song that we, we, uh, we, we've been singing the last couple of weeks is, is uh, he will manifest himself in the house. And it's like one of these songs, amazing songs that are coming out during this time because I believe that God wants to do something different. He wants to turn up. He, he, He wants us to turn up and I'm excited when you turn up. It's really good to see you. And as good as it is to have you here, it's awesome when Jehovah manifests in the house. When Rapha reveals in the house, when Jaira reveals himself in the house. So, so it's like as we begin to focus on him 
and we say, our Father who in, in heaven, don't make sure there's a, when you pray, there's no gap between you and him. Pray until you feel him in the room. Pray until he is right there with you. You know, he is there anyway. God is here. You know that? He really is. He's in the seat next to you. He is in the person next to you. He is there, but you are not aware. But when we say, our Father who art in heaven, and we begin to focus in on that, we begin to become aware. So the first thing that we should do in our prayer is say, our Father, whether we say it, our Father who art in heaven, we say, thank you, Jesus, that your presence is in this place. You are here this morning. You're all over this place. And it's like a focus changes. And you begin to become aware of him, more aware of his presence. So it's really important. And as we develop the spirit of prayer in our life by praying regularly, consistently, and allowing God to lead us in our prayer, more and more the presence of God comes. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He said to the disciples, you know, they're a bit worried about where he was going. So I'll just whiz over there for a minute. John chapter 12, verse 14. Uh, verse 16, and he says, he says this, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray to the Father. So who, who's he going to pray to? To the Father. And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, this is the part I want to highlight. He says, I'll not leave you orphans. I will not leave you orphans. There's a lot of spiritual orphans on the earth. You know, this generation, as much as any other generation, if not more, is a fatherless generation. You know, a lot of, a lot of people don't know, like physically, who their father is or maybe don't have a great relationship with their father. But we have a father who's faithful and true, and that is God. His father's there, but when we pray, the spirit of our father is manifests himself in the room. This is good because, because you know, he is spirit. When we worship God, it, this, you know, when we worship God this morning, we are literally doing the first part of the Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven. Well, God, manifest yourself amongst us. Break down every wall of division. When we pray, I pray that there'd be no distance between you and me, Lord. You know, and this is the beauty of the new covenant because now God has come to live on the inside. So God's not out there. This is the most amazing thing. I used to think God's way out there. And he's got a big stick and he's going to sort me out. And that's how, how uh, I used to see God. But God's not like that. He's a loving father. He wants to be with us. He wants to, us to come to him every day. And, you know, we can come when we pray before the throne of grace and we can say, our father, 
our Father. And as the Holy Spirit continues to work in our lives, we can eventually cry out, Abba, Father. And this has been my testimony. Great to hear yours this morning. I think that's amazing. And we've all got a different testimony. But I remember, you know, when I first came to the Lord, reading an article and it talked about the Father heart of God. The Father heart of God. And I, I thought, gee, I'd, no, I'd love to know God as my Father. I was born again. I was, I was saved. But I didn't know God as my Father. But as I've followed God, as I've come to Him, and you know, sometimes I've been really, really disciplined, really consistent, and then sometimes I've been really slack. But this is what I've found through the whole process is that God's my Father. God's my Father. And there's a spirit on the inside of me that's crying out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. It's the spirit on the inside of you. That's amazing because, you know, what's Abba Father mean? It literally means, it's like, it almost sounds a bit corny, but it means Papa, Daddy. Yeah. It's relationship. It's yeah. like, you know, in our prayer life, we can really come and, and, and be so close to God, the Father. Yeah. Doesn't have to be someone out there. You know, who, who wants a bit of a closer relationship with their Heavenly Father this yeah. morning? Come on, who wants that? Because this is such a key. This is vital because, because creation is separated from God. You know, uh, man is separated from God. But when we are sons and daughters of God, we can come and we can begin to talk to dad like he's our very own father. And, you know, sometimes people have all sorts of problems with that because their own dad may not have been a perfect father. You know, I know lots of people like this that have had barriers. You know, sometimes kids have been abused by their father. They've had violent fathers. They've had fathers that have been involved in crime. They've been, had abusive fathers. You know, and God's been misrepresented sometimes uh, you know, children have grown up with absent fathers. Dad hasn't been involved in their life. And I even know this with myself. Sometimes I can be so preoccupied while I love my kids, I can, I can be a little bit absent because there's a weight of leadership and there's a weight of life. And, and you know, a lot of men like this, they're there, but they're not there. So when our sons and daughters come to God, it's like there's a distance there's a separation, there's a disconnect. And this morning, God wants us to come back and He wants us to begin to cry out like His sons and daughters, because that's what we are, and say, Papa, Daddy, I want to know you. I want you to be close. I want to, I want to close the gap. And this is what the Scripture says in James. It says, if, if we draw near to Him, what will He do? He will draw near to us. Do you know, let me tell you this morning, God, our Father, is not looking at your sin. He's looking for your heart. And He wants you to come back because the precious blood of His Son, Jesus, has been paid for you. The gap is closed. You're His son. You're His daughter. Learn to pray this way. Learn to pray. Learn to talk to Him. 
Learn to fellowship with Him. It's not all about praying in the Spirit. You know, sometimes when I'm talking about praying in tongues, sometimes it can go so lost in praying in tongues that there's still a disconnect. But it's coming back and it's talking to Him because He is our heavenly Father. Do you know what? Doesn't matter what your dad's been like or my dad uh, or, or what our experience is in the past, we've got a Father in heaven. We've got a Father in heaven that loves us. And he's not absent. He's here. He's here. It's a really incredible thing because, you see, he wants to come closer and closer to us in every way. Looking down a little bit further in John chapter 1, and it says, this is Jesus uh, uh, talking about the indwelling of the Father and the Son. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. And he who is my commandments and keeps them. It is he who loves me. And he, will, he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I really believe this lines right up with that song that we've been singing. God wants to manifest himself to this generation. God wants to make himself real, uh, you know, to this generation. God wants to live in you. And he wants to visit this generation through you. You know, you are really an amazing new creation, the Bible says. You know, when we relate to God, our Father, this way, it's like we become so one that when we walk into the world, we are like potentially a revelation of Jesus to that generation. It's allowing God, this is it. He who has my commandments and obeys them. Do you know what? The, the Bible is full of uh, well, it's not a book of rules, but there are commandments. Yeah. And here it says, he who has my commandments. You know, this is, this is like your conscience on the inside of you. This is like the values that have been laid up, the kingdom values that have been laid up on the inside of you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, says that, uh, say that after me, and keeps them. Anyone in the room want a desire to keep God's commandments and obey God? Then this is what it says. It is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. If you put your hand up then, I want to say this. I want to blow out all the, the bad feelings and the wrong beliefs you might have. God is not up there wanting to beat you with a big stick. But he wants to love you just the way he loved Jesus and loves Jesus. Thank you, God, that we can come to you. Thank you, God, we're coming to you this morning as your sons and daughters. Holy Spirit, keep working on the inside of us until we cry out, Abba, Father, until it's a revelation to us that we know that you are our Father. First focus point this morning is recognising his presence. 
So when we come into the room, when we come into our prayer place in the morning, we recognise and acknowledge His presence. Second focus this morning. Second focus is knowing His name. We must know His name. And this, this focus is in the, in the Our Father very much. There's tremendous power, strength, provision and protection available to those who know His name. It says, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed means to greatly respect, to revere, to set apart as holy and to honour. When we pray, oh, that was a great communion message. We need to realise the name of the Lord is incredibly powerful. It's like our badge of authority. Most people believe, but not everyone knows him. In Acts chapter 17, when Paul was going out on his apostolic missions, he came into Athens. And all the philosophers thought that he was mad. And they, uh, uh, you know, there was a tension, as there often is. But there was a sign called the unknown God. And that was Paul's open door. Because this is what our society's like, you know. It's interesting, you know, when we talk about atheists. I've got to talk some more with you about that because is there really a thing called an atheist? I don't know. I'm not convinced. I'm open for the discussion. I don't know. I've been to so many funerals over my lifetime, a lot of them non-Christians and, you know, at nearly all of them, people who have not demonstrated great belief always somehow reference that this person is living on and that they believe in God. Have you experienced that? Now, God's real. You know it. The person who told you that they're a devout atheist. Well, I suppose you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe. But you've still got to doubt their doubts. But the point is this, people everywhere need an introduction. People everywhere need an introduction. They know, need to know who this God is. And here... The Apostle Paul begins to make known to the people in Athens, to all the philosophers, who this God is. The point is this morning, you can know about God, you can know that God is there, but when you come to the point of knowing God yourself, that is very, very powerful. In Psalm 91, it talks about he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Very powerful psalm, and I'd recommend that uh, it's one of those psalms that we should all, you know, be prepared to dig in, read it, learn it, memorize it, teach it to our children, because it talks about protection, it talks about strength, it talks about, uh, you know, what happens when things are going down in society, and there's promises there. 
But this is the bottom line of Psalm 91. In verse 14, it says, Because he has set his love upon me, talking about the people of God, therefore I will deliver him and honour him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Now, this is what we've got to do. We've got to know the name of the Lord. You know, there are many gods. It's a God of materialism. You know, there's the God of this world. There are many gods. But we've got to know the God that we serve. We've got to know his name. You know, the word, this is second focus is knowing his name because you can sort of know things academically or we can know them because of relationship and revelation. You know what I mean? And the word here, it's translated from a word called yada. The old Hebrew word is yada. So, so here the word is saying, because he has yadad my name. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation, the Bible says. Why? Because he has known, he has yadad my name. Now, yada is more than an intellectual knowledge. It's more than a mental assent, but it is like the relationship between a man and a woman where the two have become one. It is, a, it is a relationship that, re, that reflects intimacy. Yes. And you know, when God, the way He wants us to relate to Him is with intimacy. So that we can share things with God in our prayer that maybe we wouldn't even share with any other living human being. A lot of people know about God. They know the works of God. They even know the Word of God, but there's no yada. Yada is like the two have become one. It's something so real that exists between you and God that is so personal. God, help us to really know you, not just know about you and not just blab off a few scriptures here and there, but I pray that there would be people in this place that would really know you. I want to say this to the young people. This is on my list of must knows. There's some things you've got to know. They're must knows. They're absolutely imperative that parents teach their children this. It's, it's imperative that we as a church pass on this knowledge. You've got to know his name. You've got to get in there and you've got to find it for yourself. It is like, who really is this God that my mum and dad and the youth leaders and our pastors talking about? And you've got to find yada. It's got to become your very own relationship because I've found, you know, the great tendency and I know that growing up as a Christian too, I believed because others that I really respected and loved believed. But the more and more I've gone as God's got me to the point where I believe what I believe because I've experienced it myself. I know it on the inside. 
There's a deep knowing. We must know his name. This is what you call the power of knowing. You've got to know what you believe. You've got to know why. And you've got to know what to do. And you've got to know it for yourself. Amen. You're here because your mums and dads bought you. But you've got to come to that place where it doesn't matter what mum and dad do, you're going to do it anyway because you know the name of the Lord. So Liesel explained very well a lot of the Old Testament names of the Lord. And there are many, I believe there's more than 20 actually, Old Testament names. And it's good to go through that Old Testament names of, of God because they all represent a characteristic. You know, for instance, Jehovah Shammah in Ezekiel 37, it's talking about the presence of God. Jehovah Shalom is talking about the peace of God. Jehovah Jireh is talking about the provision of God. The name Yahweh is talking about the greatness of God, the most high God. And all these things represent a characteristic of God. But this is where if you study and you go a little bit deeper than this, you will find this, that all the 20 plus names given to God in the Old Testament are manifest in one person who walked the earth. And his name is Jesus. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, if people at school talk about, yeah, I believe in God, but I don't know who He is really, you say, I know. That's if you do know. So you've got to know the name. You know, this thing is so strong in me after following God all our married life that it would be impossible to dismantle this system of belief in me because I know the name of Jesus. I've prayed for people in the name of Jesus and I've seen miracles happen. I've prayed in the name of Jesus and you know, strange things have happened and it's like you can be just like Jesus on the earth, not for one minute saying that I am, but each one of us can represent him to a great degree. And when we understand the power of Jesus, the power of the name of Jesus, we can speak to sickness, we can speak to blindness, we can speak to depression, we can speak to the mountains that seem to oppose God and we can see change if we speak and believe in the name. Do you know his name? You know, a lot of people out there know the name and use it as a swear word. You know, punctuates every sentence. But when you know the name of Jesus, well, Miracles can happen every day. Come back and refresh yourself and pray with the name of Jesus. There's a couple of things the Bible says about this. 
Philippians 2.9. It says that God has given him, Jesus, the name that is above every other name. Let me tell you, depression is a name. Cancer is a name. But there is a name that is above every other name. And at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that He is Lord. This is the most awesome news. Kings and uh, leaders will come and go, but Jesus will be seated on the throne. Long after the government regimes of this world have faded away, vanished like a mist, the kingdom of our God will stand. God's got plans. We just need a revelation of who Jesus is. Doesn't mean we're here to rule the world or take over. Doesn't mean that. This is the challenge this morning. We've got to let God take us over. Because I want to talk when I go on about this. I want to talk about the next part of that prayer, which is so powerful. I've got a good message for that, but I won't be back for a couple of weeks. But get ready for it. Because you see, we've got to know that when we pray, God's going to come into the room. He is our Father. He's not going to be out there. He is Abba Father. He is in the lounge room with us. He's sitting on the couch with us. He's walking around the lake with us. Abba Father. I can cry out, Abba Father, and I can listen for the reply. He's not going to leave you an orphan. There's lots of orphans. You work with them. They live next to you. They're walking the streets. They are orphans. They're beautiful people. But they're waiting for someone to tell them who the unknown God is. Our Father who art in heaven. Number two, we've got to know His name. Because when you know the power of that name, you'll be using it. It'll be every second word. And it won't be a swear word. You won't be omitting it from your prayers because you know there's no answered prayer unless we pray in the name of the Almighty Jesus. And the, uh, the last verse I want to give you is this. And it is Acts chapter four twelve. There's this name, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. We'll go, go just back a little bit to get the context. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other name. My life changed. My life changed when... 
I began to know his name. I was raised in church. I heard his word, heard it, heard it, heard the message. But then one night, a bunch of young people laid hands on me and prayed for me and the God that was out there came right in. That's what happened. I felt it. And it started an amazing search. You know, a lot of people know a lot of things. We know a lot of things. But do you know what? A lot of what we know won't take us anywhere. But when you know the name of the Lord, when you know the name of the Lord, you'll stand in the heat of the battle. You'll stand and nobody will be able to tell you a different story because you've experienced something. You saw something. You felt something. You know something's real. Do you know why sometimes there's a battle? In three weeks, I'm going to come back and talk about why the battle is there and why this prayer is so important because you're going to win the battle. But this morning, I just want to lift up the name of Jesus. He is the name above every other name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess those that are living and those that are not living, every tongue. Everybody is going to have to give account. Everybody's got to know the name. Who is your God? You've got to line your life up with Him. I tell you, it's a good day. It's a good day. I think it'd be really good to sing that song, Yahweh will manifest Himself. That's His agenda. That's what He wants to do. But do you know what? It's a partnership between us and him because we can cry out, Abba, Father, and wow, he'll come. We're about ready to enter in the most amazing time in history, I reckon, where many orphans are coming home. But you've got a responsibility and that is to give the invitation. Just like I'm giving you an invitation this morning. Just like you guys did yesterday when you were doing what you were doing. There's an invitation. And this morning, if there anybody has that feeling that, well, I don't know Father God, I don't know Him. There seems to be a distance between Him and me. Then you're in the right place. Why don't we stand? Father, we thank you for this morning, this weekend. We thank you for uh, just, yeah, just amazing, incredible, wonderful salvation. The kingdom of God is righteousness, joy and peace. And when we go from here, we are carriers of His kingdom. Carriers of His kingdom. 
We are ministers of righteousness, joy and peace, the Bible says. Romans 14, 17. So when you go from here, do you know what the first thing is we need to do this week? There's a couple of things we need to do this week. Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, manifest Yourself. Become real. Come right into my life. Number two, get to know His name. Get to know that He is your healer. He is your provider. He is your leader. He is your victory. He is the Most High God. He is the Creator of heaven and earth. Get to know His name. Father, we thank You in Jesus' name. You are here. You are here. 